NXT, New York City. Welcome to Hot 97's Street Soldiers, the hottest talk on radio. Hosted by Lisa Evers. I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers on the police wrongful detainment of former tennis star James Blake. Was it mistaken identity as they claim, or was it racial profiling or something else entirely? Hit me up right now on Twitter at Lisa Evers and on Instagram at Lisa Evers with your comments. In this episode, we're focusing on what happened about a week and a half ago to former tennis champion James Blake outside the Grand Hyatt Hotel right in mid town Manhattan right there on East 42nd Street. The Harvard-educated tennis player who was once ranked number four in the world was slammed to the ground by a police officer who believed he was a suspect in an identity theft ring. He was placed in handcuffs and at that time, he what was he doing? He was waiting for his ride to the U.S. Open where he was doing a celebrity appearance. Now an off-duty cop recognized Blake and he was released. The police officer, James Frascatori, who placed him in handcuffs has been since placed on desk duty but James Blake's for James Blake's part he wants to see something done about this he wants more done the police commissioner the mayor have issued apologies but he's not just going to leave it at that he's taking it one step further and we're going to find out what steps he does want taken because we have his attorney with us in studio here Kevin Marino Kevin thank you so much for being with us we appreciate it thanks for having me and also on our panel Dr. Darren Porcher a criminal justice professor a former NY PD lieutenant and a TV and radio commentator. Dr. Porcher, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. And also joining us is Corey Pagase. He's a former NYPD deputy inspector and commander of two of the most violent precincts in the city. His book is called Once a Cop, My Journey from a Crack Dealer to the Highest Ranks of the NYPD. Corey, thanks for being with us. We appreciate thanks. it. Thanks for having me. Also joining us, our next guest, if you went to, uh, if you've been going to the Who's Next showcases at SOB, sponsored by Hot 97. You've seen him there, rapper Trey Pizzi. He's uh, his mixtape, the Truman Show mixtape, out now. He's a U.S. Army vet, and he's from the Bronx. Trey, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. We appreciate it. Also with us is Mark Winston Griffith. He's executive director of the Brooklyn Movement Center, and he says in the past he's been stopped by police on foot and in a car for no apparent reason. Mark, thanks so much for being with us. Good to be here. Thank you. Um, Kevin, I want to start with you first. The situation with James Blake, everybody has seen the video. A lot of people are shocked, and other people in our communities are saying this happens all the time. And the NYPD says, you know, that this was an arrest, this was a mistaken identity. What's your take on this? Well, it seems pretty clear uh, if you look at that video that what's going on there is completely, completely unacceptable conduct. I I can't imagine uh, a circumstance in which that would be regarded as appropriate. And the thing that's interesting is the 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 president of the PBA has has come out repeatedly uh, defending uh, Officer Frascatore's conduct, uh, and I find that very disheartening. Uh, and I'm sure that many, many members of the NYPD find it equally disheartening. Uh, I don't believe uh, Mr. Frascatore's conduct is emblematic of every police officer's conduct. <clears throat> I do think there is a certain very small minority of officers within the NYPD who use excessive force uh, as a matter of course, and I think those individuals need to be rooted out. So I think that really Mr. Lynch, the PBA president, is doing them a great disservice doing his his own position dishonor and doing the officers uh, a great dishonor by defending this conduct. No one could look at that videotape and think 
that's consistent with what you should have in a free society. With what police tactics are. Um, Dr. Darren Porcher, you've trained trained police officers as well. When you look at that video of that takedown of James Blake, is that standard procedure? Well, I can speak from two factions. I was lieutenant in the NYPD's Internal Affairs Bureau and saw in many instances I investigated various aspects of police corruption. And I also trained recruits in the academy. Now, the, the stop, we have to look at it in two components. The first component was the stop lawful and proper. Yes, it was. Uh, they had There was an informant that stated that this individual fit the bill of someone that was part of an identity theft ring. There was nothing wrong with the officer stopping Mr. Blake. However, the means or the execution in the stop is what became problematic in that the officer didn't identify himself. He immediately tackled uh, Mr. Blake and took him to the ground. So we have to look at it in two aspects. The stop was appropriate. However, the execution was inappropriate. So when we look at how officers are trained, traditionally officers are not trained to take people down in that manner. One of the first things that we need to take in consideration is an identification. Did the officer identify himself in the process of taking Mr. Blake down? That wasn't in play. The second po- the second piece, which has never come out, was where was the supervisor on the scene? With NYPD's protocol, traditionally, when you have a plainclothes unit conducting enforcement operations, there should be a supervisor on the scene. I have yet to see a supervisor come forth and state that they were there, and their primary role is to control and to ice to control and contain this particular situation. That didn't occur. Kevin Marino, what about that? Well, you know, I, I'm not so certain that I would agree that the stop was uh, was lawful, and I, I don't think we know enough facts to say that with certainty. Uh, to the extent the officer had probable cause to believe that a, a crime had been committed and that Mr. Blake had committed it. Uh, then it certainly would have had probable cause. I'm not sure because we don't know the facts. It could very well be the Kevin, case. Kevin, what did You're, he tell you? What did your client James Blake tell you happened? That the police officer did not identify him. Is that oh. that's what we've seen in the papers? Is that true? No, absolutely not. Certainly right. did not. Identify, he did not identify. Did not himself. identify himself at any time during the encounter. Uh, would not respond to uh, questions from Mr. Blake. And and as you can see on the video, although you can't hear it. Um, Mr. Blake is being completely submissive and and cooperative. What he said to the officer when the officer uh, accosted him was, I I don't know why this is happening, but I want you to know I'm going to be 100% cooperative with you. I want there to be zero chance for miscommunication. I I understand what you're saying, but I disagree with the aspect of the stop being... um, Unlawful. The stop was lawful because there was an informant that came forth and presented a description of Mr. Blake that was in connection with this. Which uh, that picture has since turned out right, to be exactly. fraudulent. That, That's that a picture, fake picture has since been removed. Right. However, if someone approached the officer, right, if someone approached the officer and stated that this individual participated in a crime, the officer had the right to stop him. So when we look at stop and frisk, a person, an officer can stop someone if they believe that person has committed, is committed, or about to commit a penal law misdemeanor or a felony. <clears throat> that me, was that was in play. Let me, you, let me try to clarify uh, the point from my perspective. I don't know that anything that we've heard about how Mr. Blake came to be identified is true. I don't have any reason to believe any of it. So I have no idea if an informant who was reliable in the officer's eyes actually identified Mr. Blake as having participated in a crime. I don't know that. So I think you're assuming a great deal, and perhaps that's true. But at this point in time, all we know is Mr. Blake, a completely innocent man who is 
minding his own business as is clearly depicted on that uh, videotape he's actually on his telephone sending a text message is literally rushed by a police officer without warning without identification without questioning and is knocked to the ground and pinned to the ground and then the officer gets on top of him and puts his knee into his back i don't have any idea what the basis for that was so i i don't i, I don't i don't want to quarrel with you on the legal aspects of it i just would like to know exactly what the basis was in the first place because now we've seen that this um, so-called uh, picture that supposedly looked like a twin as the commissioner described it a twin of James Blake is not the actual is not a suspect that person apparently was not in the United States so I have no idea uh, I, I just don't uh, we just don't know enough there are facts. too many questions there's certainly suspicious circumstances surrounding that identification so Co Corey Pagase, it, Corey Pagase uh, from crack dealer to one of the highest you know ranking officers in the NYPD as a deputy inspector when you looked at that video the takedown a lot of people were like well you know if it's a gun bust if it if there's a fight going on obviously things are going to get physical but this was an identity theft ring where they were ordering either phones or shoes depending on which story you believe and having them shipped and delivered to uh by the you know by the Grand Hyatt right there. When you looked at that takedown on the video, what went through your mind? Did that seem right to you, or what stru well, the, uh, stuck the, out? The, <clears throat> well, the first thing that went through my mind was I wasn't surprised with all the stuff that's going on, and I have to kind of tend to lean toward the lawyer in this case. There's just too many holes in this story because we like, can, like tell us what do you see as the holes well, in the story? This here? Is one of the holes I see in the story. If you're going to release video, release all video. Downtown Manhattan has you are not. You're on camera everywhere downtown Manhattan. There's no place in America that got more cameras than Manhattan. South of 59th so Street, exactly. if you want to put this story to bed, release all the video. Because they said that an informant pointed out Mr. Blake. I got to be on camera. It's in the Grand Hyatt. There's cameras everywhere. Release the video from the beginning of this altercation, this operation that the NYPD had with six officers. And like Darren said, they keep saying six officers and no one has said that there was a supervisor a sergeant and you know you know what the bigger picture in this whole thing what? is this officer has four years on the job he has five complaints in a seven month period he has more than 90 90 percent of the job don't even have 90 complaints i was a cop and i was on level two special monitoring for discourteous remarks and at level two means every Every month, and I what's had to have a report. Remarks, cursing somebody out? Basically, or? yeah, it was an allegation that I said something I wasn't supposed to say. For 18 months, I was on level two special monitoring. Can't get transferred. You definitely can't be in playing close. So when we drill this down, you know, I don't want to hear the rhetoric from Brat and say I want to investigate. Why is this cop in plain clothes unit in Midtown Manhattan tackling somebody like Lawrence Taylor? And there's no supervisor. And there was a minute there when you're going to do a takedown with anybody. And Dr. Porcher will tell you, I'm not going in, in the wake of cops being um, right now. They're shooting and killing cops. What would make a cop go and approach somebody by himself right now? You would grab your partner and say, hey, they just pointed a guy out. James Blake is sitting there on his phone. He's not running. There's no need to rush and tackle this guy. You get your partner. You tactfully approach him. You grab him. If, in fact, all of these facts are there, you say, listen, sir, you've just been identified as a suspect. I need you to turn around, place your hands behind your back, put the cuffs on him. You identify him. And guess what Darren said? We all talk about stop questioning frisk. If, in fact, all these facts are there, where's the question? The and where's the stop? stop questioning frisk. This is the stop questioning first. This is what we want cops to do. You got reasonable suspicion about a crime. You walk up to the person. You stop them. 
You put the cuffs on him for safety. We do that for safety, but that doesn't mean you're under arrest. You just cuffed him because you don't know if he got a weapon or whatever. Now you question him. He says, hey, I'm James Blake, fourth-ranked tennis player. Somebody says, hey, that's James Blake. You take the cuffs off and you fill out a stop question and frisk. James Blake, we stopped him because somebody told us this. It goes away. You don't have to call a sergeant. You don't have to do all of this stuff they're saying, void an arrest, because it's not an arrest. So where are we going with this? This is the NYPD spin machine and loudmouth Pat Lynch going on national TV. Pat Lynch is driving such a stake between the community and the police with all of these, you know, the mayor had blood on his hands. You know, these cops are right, right, right. You got to stop this rhetoric because most of the people believe that cops are doing the right thing. But when you have the lead of the cops... When you have a situation like this... and You can't just keep saying these these remarks that, like, these cops are oh, right, 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 right. Kevin, no. Kevin Marino, what about that? Well, I, I think I agree with much of what's just been said. In, in the first case, uh, in the first place, I beg your pardon, um, suppose Mr. Blake had been the right individual. Suppose, I mean, we've heard so much about mistaken identity. Suppose they had the right person. Assuming that was correct, the stop and the manner in which the stop was effectuated was completely improper. This is, a, a, if, if, they, if, if the official version is to be believed, this was a stop as part of an investigation into a nonviolent offense. In what circumstance would an investigation into a nonviolent offense of a person who is completely passive, obviously unarmed, and minding his own business, in what world is it appropriate to tackle that person violently and bring him to the ground and then begin to ask questions, which of course, no questions were even asked of him. That's number one. Number two, I completely agree about Mr. Lynch's comments. I don't know if you've seen this uh, open letter that he- I issued. saw it yesterday, and he, he said, um, if you never had a gun pulled on you, well, Mr. Lynch, if you're listening, I had a gun pulled on me. If you ever had a knife pulled on me, well, Mr. Lynch, I had knives pulled on me. If you never had somebody resist arrest with well, Mr. Lynch, I had people resist arrest. So, Mr. Lynch, I'm an expert on this subject, all right, and I was commanding off to some of the most violent priests in the city. You remember, Pat Lynch is just a cop. We got to still understand that. I was an executive. I'm about seven ranks higher than him. So he never even was in a position to analyze information, gather it, and deploy personnel. I think he's just really, always been a cop. It's it's really regrettable that someone uh, of that nature uh, is in a position of representing these officers. I, I believe very strongly that Mr. Lynch is disserving those officers i i i don't believe and you, you know the comment well, let's get made, back to the james blake yeah. thing because we don't have pat lynch here and we don't have a pba representative which is the police union and we welcome to have pat lynch on on hot 97 street soldiers at any time but trey pizzy let me bring you into this as a rapper also as a u.s army vet thank you for your service no problem the when you when you looked at that james blake that resonated that whole video resonated with so many people because they right. were like thank god he didn't suffer some serious injuries or get put in a chokehold right but but um, I'm usually on the other end of the spectrum, so it's normal, you know, for me to see that, like, th that happens to us every day for no reason. And it's it, it's a battle between um, tactics and, and morality. You know, like, you have, I understand that the police have their job to do, but you also have to have some morals with your job, you know? Like, I was, um... Like you said, I was I was a veteran. Uh, I'm a veteran. Um, I was uh, serving in Iraq, and I did the infantry, so... Like we had tactics, but we all, you have to go with your morals. You know, like it's nothing that that makes that okay. 
no matter if he was guilty or not, it was a nonviolent crime. I don't think he should have been taken to the ground like that. Um, questions should have been asked of him. He should have, the, the officer should have identified himself. You know, it, and it could have went way left. Let's say if, if it could have gone way left. Yes, it could have went way left, you know, like if he was a dangerous person. But you can also approach that person in, in, in a manner to where he's comfortable. You know, and like even if he was guilty, he'll be comfortable enough to talk to you and um, we could get the situation figured out. And, you know, it doesn't have to go this far. I, I do want to say that, um, you know, the, the response so far by the police commissioner and the, the mayor, both publicly and directly to Mr. Blake, has been very good and supportive. And we are very much in a dialogue with them because Mr. Blake, unlike you know lots of folks who are in his position who are celebrities and who are just happen to become a victim of this type of thing, you can imagine uh, someone being quite selfish about their pursuit. So I'd like to use this as an opportunity to make some money. Right. Mr. Blake is the opposite of that. His view of the world is let's use this as a teaching moment for everyone. Let's let's get real reforms. Like the apologies are very much appreciated and he's grateful for them, but we have made it very clear to the mayor and to the police commissioner beyond the apology, we need to have serious a serious financial commitment of dollars into the communities in which this happens as a matter of course with a small minority but a very visible minority of the police force. We need to have those folks retrained re-educated, and most importantly, wearing body cameras. But Lisa, the what body cameras, and, and, and Dr. Darren Porcher, the body, the, but the the thing about this, the, the, you're raising it, a lot of questions have been raised about this. Here is a man, He's he's let's uh, if he is a suspect in a nonviolent crime, there's supposedly other police officers around there, what possible justification is there for taking such a physical action like that that could have caused them physical you know, injuries? From a trainer's perspective, there's no justification for such a violent takedown. Um, the interaction, once you got the information that this was the person that did it, fine. There's nothing wrong with that stop. Now, I just want to clarify something. A stop is the lowest level of force, and that can, all that means is a person is not free to go. You have certain levels in the stop. Uh, the only level of force necessary here was just let, asking the person for the name, um, proof of identification, and explanation of, a con and explanation of conduct. That's where that, that was the maximum num amount of force that I sort of should have been allotted in that particular instance. It could have been cleared up verbally right there. Do we need re reforms necessary in the police department? Absolutely. This is something that's been echoed over and over again, whether it's Eric Gardner, Kai Gurley, etc. Um, the gentleman mentioned that they are in um, dialogue with the mayor's office and the police commission, p commissioner for I guess funds to be um, accrued. Um, well, we'll find we'll find out what they're what okay, they're looking for. Let, let me bring let me bring uh -huh. in uh, Mark Winston Griffith real quick. Mark, you've been you've been stopped stopped yourself, and w when you saw that video of James Blake being <clears throat> taken down like that, what went through your mind? Well, the conversation around this I, I think is blurred by a couple of things. One is the fact that it was James Blake. And, and to the fact that he, it was mistaken identity. And I say that because the only reason we're here talking about this is because this was a public figure, someone is considered famous, and, because, and that, is that what stimulates our outrage. Um, well, and we've been talking about, to be fair, we've been talking about this issue for a, a quite no, a long no, no, time. No, 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 I'm show, just but saying, it, but, I'm the talk, public discourse, but we're talking the, the about larger... this case in particular. Right. That is, if this was an, an ordinary person that you had never heard of 
who had been taken down like that, we may it may it may have been shown on Facebook. We would have shrugged our shoulders. We would have moved on. Right. I'm not. I'm what the point I'm trying to make is that one. Yes, as we said before, this is an everyday um, occurrence, but it gets to the heart of what we talk about when we say, you know, all Black lives matter. In the sense that it doesn't matter whether this person had 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 committed a crime or not. The point is, it's a it, 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 there's a life, black or white, whatever color, and they and and in encounters, what people are experiencing is that there's no respect, there's no acknowledgement from the police officer about who they are. They're not identifying themselves, and so it makes for a very corrosive environment across the city and in those individual stops. So I think that's what we have to focus on is that I, it, it's, it's easy to get caught up in the celebrityhood of, 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 of James Blake. Well, no, I think it touched a nerve because so many people identify right. with and, it. But my, my point is that it needs to be touching a nerve, whether it's happening to a ce- celebrity or not. Or to and, a, a and private I, individual. I agree with that completely. And, and, and so does Mr. Blake. And, and the reason he has been willing, you know, that obviously this isn't something he requested. Right. right. He, of course. He, this was thrust he must have been shocked. How is he doing, by the way? Is well, yeah, he must have been he's, shocked. He's very shaken up, actually, uh, by it. It's a very. I mean, this is just. I mean, this is a professional athlete, a professional competitor who achieved enormous success uh, in his career, and I can tell you that uh, he was extremely and remains extremely shaken up by it. You know, but you make a very interesting point. So why are we talking about this now? And yeah, I I understand that there there have been there's been a segment of the news media that has properly focused on this for a long time. But this has achieved a great deal of attention primarily because Mr. Blake is a person of celebrity, right? So his reaction to that I think has been a very laudable reaction, a very selfless reaction, which is I, unlike lots of other folks to whom this has occurred, I'm in a position to actually elevate this. I'm in a position to bring much-needed attention to this subject, and I'm in a position to speak directly to the powers that be. I can assure you, none of the other uh, folks whose names you've mentioned and all the other nameless folks who, right. who are just who, to whom this occurs, and again, it's a small minority of the police force, but they are there. And these individuals are, on a regular basis, interacting with folks who are not famous, right. who have no voice. James Blake is giving voice to those people, and that's why having the opportunity to speak directly to the mayor and speak directly to the police commissioner, which is a very significant thing, right. he intends to use that to the benefit of everyone. All right, and Kevin Marino, we just have a couple more minutes before I know you have to, to, to dash, but the in terms of what he wants, because we've seen statements where he said he wants more than just the apology and the meeting. What specifically are you looking for? Well, specifically, and we are we intend to meet very soon in person with the mayor and the police commissioner. We've already had in-depth conversations with them on the subject. What Mr. Blake is primarily interested in and what the Blake policy will be, will be a policy of not only training and retraining, but the I will tell you these body cameras, whether it's a GoPro camera or some other type of a body cam on all law enforcement officers at all time. There's no antiseptic like sunlight. No one behaves at their very best as well as they do when they know they're being watched 24-7. So that's number one. And also, I will say this. Mr. Frascatore does not belong on the New York Police Department. How he is still on the New York Police Department with his record, to me, that's extraordinary. I, I saw Mr. Lynch again, his comments about the about the, uh, the idea of due process and so forth. Mr. Frascatore has 
the worst record I can imagine, and it cannot be the case that he remains on the force. He shouldn't be there for one more day. Can I? Can All right, I we, give you we, some yeah, advice? Corey, I'm going to come to you. We really need to quick. take a short break. Okay. Uh, Kevin Marino, attorney for James Blake, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. You're listening to Hot 97 Street Soldiers. Uh, we're streaming live, remember, on the Where Hip Hop Lives app all across the United States and on hot97.com. Twitter, get me your comments at Lisa Evers, Instagram on my Instagram page at Lisa Evers. And we're going to continue with our guests on the James Blake incident. Was it racial profiling or was it really mistaken identity? Is this typical of the NYPD or is this an isolated incident? We'll find out more of what our guests have to say right after this. That was perfect. Thank you so much. Running out of gas on the tripod. Still hit the gas cause my ride don't. Still hit the gas cause my ride don't. Ride through the month. This is my burn. Uh, get down to your late down. Wanna blow them off, get it's the plate crown. Uh, you pussy hitters bring the hate round. You get out of pocket, get that rocket, you gon' stay down. Uh, these hitters all on my d- but I'm Captain Kangaroo, I'm jumping all in your tip. Wet paint dripping, dripping all on my whip. You a liar, I'm on fire, hit it, everything lit. Nightlight, dog, put my light bright. If you scared, pussy hitter, get a nightlight. You a jock rider, screaming out his bike life. I'm riding through your mall. Like this is my burn. I'm from the city of the five boroughs. The writing everywhere is so thorough. Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, Staten Island, New York. But I'm riding through the Bronx. Like this is my burn. Running out of gas on the tribe. That was a little taste of My Burrow by Trey Pizzy. Welcome back to Hot 97 Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about the James Blake police incident. Was a racial profiling or mistaken identity? And what does James Blake want out of this? Is this the opportunity that many people in our communities have been looking forward to, to have a change in the attitude and relations with the NYPD? That's what we're focusing on right now. Hit me up on Twitter right now with your comments, at Lisa Evers, on my Instagram page, at Lisa Evers, and let me introduce our panel to you. We have in studio with us Kevin Marino. He is James Blake's attorney. Also joining us, Dr. Darren Porcher, a criminal justice professor and former NYPD lieutenant. You see him commentating also on these issues on TV. Also with us, Corey Pagase, former NYPD deputy inspector and commander of two of the city's most violent precincts. He's the author of, a, of the book, Once a Cop, My Journey from a Crack Dealer to the Highest Ranks of the NYPD. And rapper Trey, uh, Trey Pizzi is with us. You might have seen him recently on Hot 97's Who's Next Showcase. His mixtape that's out now is called The Truman Show. He's a U.S. Army vet from the Bronx. Also with us, Mark Winston Griffith, executive director of the Brooklyn Movement Center. He's an organizer around police community relations issues. And Kevin, let me start with you on this again. What exactly does James Blake want to see happen here? The, the, the most important thing from Mr. Blake's perspective is that he used the fortuity of this occurrence, that it happened to him someone who is a person of profile, someone who is visible, and someone who has access to the actual leaders of the city, the mayor and the police commissioner. He is intent on using it to have a real and meaningful dialogue with them about what can be done to change the culture of the NYPD. This conduct, just, just think about this. 
The defense that you've heard over and over is this is a case of mistaken identity, True. which to me is an extraordinary thing because that suggests that if this was the person who actually had been involved in this offense or if it was the person who actually had even been identified properly as being involved, it would be perfectly fine to, without asking questions. You would have been beaten to, up. To be, <laughs> it would have been okay, it's, right. It's, cra- it's crazy. What, mistaken identity. Pretend it was the accurate identity. And that's the point. If you take a good hard look at this, you'll understand what's really going on here because embedded in that explanation is the problem itself. The problem is we think it's okay. The end justifies the means. It's not okay. You're saying that's not in accordance with the law, but let me ask you this. The issue of racial profiling, he is biracial, correct? Mr. Blake is biracial, and he's been very clear. He's been asked very directly about this. He's been very clear that he doesn't know if this was or wasn't a case of racial profiling. Now, the folks sitting around this table say, well, we know because we've seen this happen over and over again. And I totally understand, and Mr. Blake understands and respects that. But his point is a little bit different, which is to, to only discuss his case in terms of racial profiling is to miss a very significant part of what we're talking about, which is what are these police officers, and again, it's a minority in my view, a small minority. If you're in certain communities, that may be the minority you see all the time, and in your mind that may be everybody. But we know that the overwhelming majority of NYPD officers are honorable folks who are probably as appalled by what they see on that video as as we are. So the point here from Mr. Blake's perspective is if I'm in this position where I'm getting a telephone call on my cell from the mayor and I'm getting a telephone call on my cell from the uh, police commissioner, let me be the voice for the voiceless. That's his point. Let me actually sit around the table and talk about what needs to be done. And the people in this room have good ideas about what needs to be done. And so let's hear what they are. We're jumping up and down about this issue, and I can understand that it does, the the attention needs to be highlighted. But in terms of how do we change the organization of the NYP to prevent these things from happening in the future? It's never going to be correct. But one of the key components that I'll address, and Inspector um, Pegues, he can counter this, but the training, or I should say the professional development. It needs to be in two components. The first component is going to be academics, and that's going to be a chalk and talk. And the second component is going to be a qualifier, whereas officers will be evaluated on their actions. That's not in play. Traditionally, NYPD's training consists of the chalk and talk. There are two questions that officers ask. What time are we going home? When are we going on break? That's what the day of training consists of. However, there's not a qualifier on the back end. There's only one component that I can think of, and that's firearms training, which has something that's similar. However, when we think about cultural diversity or even implicit bias training for that matter, I have yet uh, okay, to see that. Let me, let me bring it back, okay. let me bring it back mm-hmm. to this incident. What about the incident, Corey Pagase, bothers you in terms of the police procedure there? Yeah, okay, so let me just address the racial profiling. First, I don't think this is racial profiling. Because if they showed him a picture of a black man and he went after a black, if they would, if you would attack with a white guy, then we could say it's profiling. But if they showed him a black guy, that's a black. It's racial profiling when you're indiscriminately going down the street and just stopping people because based on their color. That's racial profiling. So let's just be clear 
on that part. And do I think him being black has something to do with the use of force? Probably. So if it's a white guy in a suit and tie at the Grand Hyatt, two thousand dollar night suite hotel, you probably wouldn't have got tackled like that. All right, but what about now, the from from so, what we can tell from this clip of video that was released? What about the approach? Let's just say James Blake is John Doe and he's a right. suspect in a an identity theft ring. What's the police procedure? And they believe he's the guy that's part of this ring. Well, when, What's the police procedure for an undercover unit like that? What if the first procedure is you need to even have what we call the color of the day on? You know, this stuff should be displayed. His shield should have been displayed. This was a nonviolent crime. He was pointed out. He should have had a partner with him to walk up to the gentleman, Mr. Blake, and say, listen, you've just been identified. Like I said in the earlier segment, turn around, place the cuffs on him. Then you identify him. No, I don't think anybody in this room or in the country has a problem with a cop cuffing somebody who was just pointed out as a perp. All right. And then once you identify who it is, he got Uber car pulling up. He got U.S. open credentials in his back pocket. Right. It don't take a rocket science to figure out who Mr. Blake is at that time. And so, I also have a major problem without a supervisor, like Dr. Torture said. Supervise, there should not be any movements in an undercover operation without the supervisor giving clear So you're saying if there were other, there, there would normally be other officers there. Why didn't they there just go over to him? There was other But why didn't they just go over to him and talk to him for a minute and then... Because this officer is what in policing we call the cowboy. He's the cowboy, and all you got to do is look at his history and see. He's the guy that wants the big rack of medals on us, so he's going to do anything he can to get that medal. He's running, he's jumping, he's chasing, he's, he's tackling people at a hotel for a credit card. And the credit card, I don't know if people know, we got to be clear that these items was already purchased. They was just picking up these items. Right. There wasn't even a stolen credit card transaction being done at that time. This was a delivery of the this stolen was just a delivery. Or shoes. That's all it was. They were just picking up stolen items. Trey, Trey Pizzi, with the the approach of the police officer there, what what upset you about that? Um, I don't think uh, the proper tactics are used. I mean, there's there's a level of execution. Um, we have some in the army. We had acts tell make. You know, I ask you, and um, if you don't comply, then I tell you to do it, and then I make you do it. You know, so it, it's levels to to what they're doing and they're not taking the proper precautions to make sure these are implemented and I mean I don't know like I said it's, it's normal now you know like it's, it's like alright cool people feel it happens too often I mean yeah you, you get, we can do all the reforms and create all the laws but that doesn't stop criminal activity for any for any society whether it's police whether it's the citizens it doesn't stop it you know so the, the question is how do we stop it Mark Winston Griffith, what about that? How do we? I think there are a lot, there are a lot of different things that bother me, but I think principally for me, it's the fact that there was no identification. I mean, let, let's think about this, right? This could have gone really south very quickly. What if it had been somebody James, from one of the states if he'd had a gun? It, right. If, if James had a gun and if, he thought he was getting robbed in right, New York. Right. Exactly. If some some someone rolls up on me in the middle of the street the and tackles officer. me, I'm gonna fight back. Right. right? And. And, you know, James Blake is the kind of personality where, you know, he just said, let me just submit. But that could have gone in a completely different way. So easily. Even, right. And so the first, the, the, the first thing we have to talk about is identification. And there is, you know, we talk about what do we do. They're actually, you know, I'm part of a coalition called United for Police Reform. And, we, and there's, there's a, a couple of laws called um, right to know. And one of them is about identification, about 
showing your badge because we know a lot of cops oftentimes put their hand over their badge, say their names, and you even give them a card that has your name. And if there is, and if there's a complaint, there's something on the back where someone can make a complaint. So in that situation, where there was no apology, where there was no identification, where this person had no idea who was rolling up on him, this again is happening everywhere, and it, it starts from this assumption that either someone is guilty or even if they're not guilty, that like someone said before, the 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 ends justify the means, and so you know this is not I when we've had conversations with um, the administration about this, they always go back to training. And I'm not going to take away the, per, the the importance of training, but at some point in time, bigger, something you have to make it that? structural. You have to make it um, systemic, well, and me, there have me, to be there have to be I laws say, and consequences. But how do you change but culture? I'm if you're talking you about culture change. and attitude, how do you change? Well, that? I think you change this it from is, different angles. This is easy. Like everybody's making. You got to understand. I came on a police department with a high school diploma. I left for the masters. These people are not like <laughs> they're not like nuclear scientists to be a cop. <laughs> this is easy stuff here. Okay. I don't even want to hear no one else talk about training. Training, they just paid $29 million in training after, after Eric Garner. And nobody said, Mr. Uh, Marino, was this cop that assaulted Blake a part of their $29 million? Oh, we're going to fix this. It's never going to happen again. They said the whole police department went through it. Training is a joke. It's not about training. These cops are the best trained cops in America. I was there. I'm telling you, every police department around the country comes to the NYPD for training. The training is there. What you need to do is change the culture. And well, the culture is... The culture. What, this the is how you do it. This is how you do it, Mr. Yeah. Marino. You have to start... <laughs> Changing the attitudes. These are all attitudes. And how do you change how? attitudes? Listen to me. Listen. That's Listen. the hardest Listen. thing I'm, to change. No, it's not, it's not hard. I did it. All you got to do, because when you're worried at the end of the month how you got to pay your mortgage, your attitude will change. So this guy with four complaints, that first complaint that he got that was substantiated, you suspend him for 30 days. No you, pay. 60 days, no That's pay. Right. Yeah. That you know, how that, you know how that goes around the police right. department? Oh, man, this right. guy just got 60 days because he punched somebody in the face. I'm not punching nobody no more. But you know what? We pacify by letting the main police commissioner say, oh, we're going to do training. It's not training. You got to start discipline. This guy got five complaints in seven months. No discipline. There's absolutely no discipline. That's and a now, lot of complaints in that short I don't think time. Laws would Most cops people. get two or three complaints right. in 20 years. 20 years. This guy got five complaints in seven months. And now because James Blake, oh, they're going to take a chunk out of him now because they hit national news. But why, how about taking a piece of these guys when they first do it? Right. It's inevitable. Look at Eric Garner. He choked the guy out. They looked at his record. Six complaints. He spit on somebody. He's getting sued. This happens all the time. So I it's all—it's always and it, it does. And, and again, we want to put in context. There's, there's a lot of police officers in our communities that are risking their lives, but that are out there doing serving the community. There's thousands trying. of cops doing but the, the right ones thing. That, the ones that always seem to be involved in these incidents, Dr. Darren Porcher. When we look at their records, there always seems to be a history of excessive force I, or problems in. The, how they execute their job. I can tell you firsthand, working in the Internal Affairs Bureau, I had many officers that, stood, that sat in front of me with complaints. They may have had excessive complaints. However, there is a due process that the department has to follow. Um, and we look at collective bargaining um, 
we look at we look at what happens with collective bargaining, the outcomes that come out with contractual agreements, and that's what precipitates what's happening. Now I understand. But what uh, about to what Corey said? Because he, here, here, this officer James Frescatori in this incident, he's on what you call we would call desk duty. Right. So basically, he doesn't have his gun, he doesn't have his badge, correct? And correct right. me if I'm wrong. But he's still getting paid. Right. He's still he's getting paid. He's gonna get paid, and that's that's a contractual agreement. No, Darren, I it gotta is. push back on that. No, Listen, no. the commissioner, we know the. Com- Commissioner is the say all be all. If the commissioner says suspend this guy, the guy suspended. That's it. Now the suspension Pat is Lynch, one thing. Pat Lynch could go to the, the complaints in the past. No, what, what I'm saying is like even you know, and I always have to go back to the Aragona thing. This guy violated uh, the New, New York City Department regulation, and he was on desk duty. Right. He choked and killed somebody. The ME said it was and a homicide. On desk duty. Right. And he's on desk duty. He been getting a check since the desk since he killed this guy. Okay, now James Blake, this guy pushed him down. James Blake got a couple of bruises, and he's on desk duty. So look how the pendulum swing. I murdered somebody. I was on desk duty. duty. Mm -hmm. I roughed somebody up, and I'm on desk duty. Don't give me the nonsense. Bratton and de Blasio, if you want to change the attitudes about policing in New York City, you got to start dealing with these road cops. And the only way you got right, to do just it to be cl- but is just to be clear, to And just them. to be clear, the police officer in the Eric Garner case, the grand jury decided not to indict him. Right. You're, call- right. you're calling him that, but yeah. he, was not, he was not charged. But the medical examiner is the medical expert. He said, he said it was a homicide. It's how do we change culture? We change it. We change it by... Um, you have to you have to understand like people don't change for laws they change for circumstance mm-hmm. you know so if you add circumstances to where you put them in a position where they can't feed their families and they can't do things that they would normally do they will change mm-hmm. you change culture by implementing those things into it can you I, know can I, you have to have can I push back a little bit on that because I, I hear what you're saying but there's one word that we're leaving out of this and this it's accountability right. right I mean that's what our criminal justice system is all about you do something you get disciplined you get you know punished or whatever and then you realize you you, you transmit a signal to the rest of society that what you have done is wrong and it right. shouldn't be done again and so that's what the problem is here with the police department there's no sense of accountability when we talk about reforms that have to occur what the mayor what what the police commissioner would say let us deal with this internally let's do training let's do all these things let us handle it and so there's no outside pressure there's no there's no there's no repercussions to doing something so in a situation like this as a gentleman said before if you're if you're doing something that violates code that violates the law then you get punished accordingly and not only does do your do your fellow officers know that but the rest of society understands that this is not the right thing. Uh, to do. Know, it's, a really, it's a really important point, uh, I, I think, and I agree completely with that uh, about accountability. And again, if you, you look at the defenses that have been put forth, this wasn't a racial incident. Okay, perhaps it wasn't a racial incident. Mr. Blake is not suggesting that it was, but that's one of the defenses. The first thing you hear is it wasn't a racial incident. The next thing you hear is, and it was a case of mistaken identity. Does that mean that if it's not racial profiling and there's a mistaken identity, what the officer did was, was okay. okay. Right, mm-hmm. right. So you can talk about the collective bargaining agreement. You can talk about punishment and 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 uh, progressive discipline and the due process rights of a hearing and all that. But let's just stop and examine what's underlying all of this. As soon as I tell you my defense to what you saw is 
mistaken identity. We had the wrong guy. That's suggesting it would have been okay to do this if, if, if it, it had been right if it had been the right guy. Hey. But what what about the fact the fact the other fact too that plays into this? The NYPD is currently under federal oversight because of what happened during the uh, excessive stop, question, and frisk. Mm-hmm. It's Does interesting that- you bring that up because there was a federal monitor that came in, and this is something that came out through um, Judge Shinlin's findings in the stop and frisk case. Um, there have been uh, the the professional development has been something that's been implemented. It started in January. The last component was an implicit bias piece. The police department has failed to execute on the training for the implicit bias training. That should have started in June. It never occurred. There was one component, um, smart policing. There was there was a multitude of different aspects of training that they produced out of the Eric Garner uh, situation. However, the implicit bias piece has not been executed on. And when I look at what happened to Mr. Blake, had officers had a better understanding of implicit bias, then there's a chance that this may not have happened. Not that it wouldn't have, but it would have less. It would have lessened the chances. But, but aren't they supposed to? Have, to go I'm ahead. sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Aren't they supposed to have their badges out? Traditionally, the plainclothes units it's are supposed to have an identifying factor, which is a, um, a shield around their neck, the color of the day, as which as Inspector like Pegues mentioned, right. right. And the supervisor on the scene. I didn't see any of that in the video. I saw no armband. I saw no shield. I saw no supervisor. So those are, these are three valuable three valuable components that were missing from this um, this particular instance. And Trey Pizzi, I think one of the other things, too, that people were a little bit concerned about this was this is East 42nd Street, Grand Central Station, in the middle of the day. Right. So there were people that are saying, okay, if this is happening in broad daylight, midtown Manhattan, what's happening in the hood or what's happening in our communities? What's happening on a dark street somewhere yeah. where there's nobody around and the no video things. cameras? The same things every day. But you but you got to, we, we have the question with if it was the right guy or the wrong guy, does it matter? We've seen cases where they had the right guy and it wasn't handled like that. You know, the, um, the thing that happened with was that North Carolina where the guy shot up the church. They walked him out. It was no excessive force. He was the right guy. Right. You know, so does it matter? Does it matter? It doesn't. But it it happens. And... Just, and that's it's sending it's sending a message. But what about I mean the the police officers? Is it is it time to look at the way policing has done too? As our society has changed, and how do we? Let's just talk for a minute as we wrap this up in in terms of solutions because that you want police. I mean everybody when you call nine one one, you want the police to come and help the situation and save whatever lives need to be saved. But there's a lot of people that don't feel don't feel confident in that. And on the same well, token, there's people, cops they're trying to do their job that feel like no matter what they do, the community is looking at them you, you got the badge so you're no good no well, as an african-american male and a former and a prior police lieutenant i can understand that the the african-american community feels that there's two systems of justice and oftentimes the african-american community feels that they receive a miscarriage in justice it's safe to say that there should be an evolution in police tactics and training that should be constantly occurring not just based on this this instance because we're going to have another one and we're going to have another one Mm -hmm. but this should be an ever so evolving um, process and the police department has to keep up with the times if not these instances are going to continue to occur what about the body cameras issue Body cameras, I think, are fantastic. However, it's not a it's not a one fixed solution. It's one cog in the mechanism of change. Because we all saw this incident. Although the cop didn't have a body camera, saw we it. saw it on the hotel's yeah. video. However, that is a component in the investigations that would be done. And once again, as the attorney pointed out, it brings an awareness to the officers while they're performing routine patrol operations on the street. And Kevin police Mur- officers and police officers that's out there that's feeling like uh, the community is against you. No. You 
you have to understand, it's only one person who chose to take the job, and that's you. And so we had all these glory times when I was in the, in the 90s. I was a cop. Everybody was loving cops, sending us flowers and, and, and candy to the precinct. And now you're catching a little heat because of all the stuff that's on video. You know, if dead man could talk, do you know how many people probably was killed without cameras? Okay, So they have to adapt now to social media. And the way you adapt is doing your job correctly. You do your job correctly, you treat everybody with respect. Will there be cases like this once in a while? Of course, because cops are human beings. But it's happening quite too often on camera. Okay? Well, it's a camera that's making pe people people aware of it. Um, Kevin Marino, attorney for James Blake, do you plan to file a suit lawsuit against the NYPD? Well, it, it certainly is a possibility. You know, Mr. Blake, as he's made it very clear, is not in this for his own financial gain. But sometimes you have to take a step to, to force the hand of those uh, who, who turn the key, right? So that's a, it certainly is a possibility. Where we sit right now, though, and I think it's this very important thing to bear in mind. This is a critical moment. Mr. Blake is a completely sympathetic victim. And mm -hmm. to turn this into a different kind of incident is a mistake. This is an incident that on its face bespeaks a very significant problem and we hear from the mayor and we hear from the police commissioner and I believe them. I believe they understand this and I believe they are committed to fixing it. Let's keep the focus on that. I don't I don't believe they're committed. Um, because you can't have an officer with this many complaints and nobody, nobody. Let's go to the lowest level. So you're saying it's sergeants. all politics, all this retraining and it's everything all is politics. politics. I, I, listen, you can't have an officer with this many complaints and just the lowest level of supervision is the sergeant. The sergeant don't grab this guy and say, look, you can't go out on patrol no more. You, 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 it's out of control. The lieutenant, who's the platoon commander, the commanding officer of Midtown South Precinct. Why isn't Bratton bringing him to his office? And we don't know if this is happening, but he's the commander. He got the whole cup of tea. Yo, you could be he's completely right. You could be absolutely right about this. But this is a moment and an opportunity. And maybe I'm just a glass half full person or eternally optimistic or what have you. Oh, we are too. We're in a position. <laughs> I am too. Mr. Blake is in a position to make a difference. It's not every day that you have the attention of the powers that be. Well, I mean, I'm not attention. optimistic because I've seen this movie before. Well, I don't intuitively. I have. I, uh, this is the first time I've been in this Corey, movie. We're going to be a downer on this here. We're trying to have hope. We're trying to keep hope alive here. <laughs> Listen, there's no we're trying hope. To keep hope there's change. no hope unless right, you start disciplining these people. And I'm people. not just saying that because I don't like what you're saying. <laughs> but anyway. If you read my book, no. Once a Cop, you'll see all of this stuff I'm talking about. All but of this, this stuff is a we're this is a moment. And we're going to end the show on this. It's an opportunity. It could be a turning point because it can I don't think it can continue like this. I just don't think it can continue like this. Something something has to happen. All right, I'm Mark real quick, final yeah, just word. real quick. I just think that while culture is important, I think laws and regulations are real important too because, you know, you have to create something that's going to transcend administrations. You know, we we have an administration It's culture, now. it's attitude. I, exactly. And 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 but it's got to it's got to be something in place for this mayor, the next mayor and, and so that, that transcends politics. Exactly. All right, I want to thank all of our guests for I want to thank all of our guests for being with us. Um, Kevin Marino, attorney for James Blake, Dr. Darren Porcher, 
Corey Pagase, um, Trey Pizzi, rapper, uh, Mark Winston Griffith from the Brooklyn Movement Center, and also got to give a big shout out to Londell McMillan's Everybody Source 360 Brick Arts. Thank you for the fantastic invitation, amazing event. If you missed the Source 360 Hip Hop Festival this year, you got to make sure you check it out for next year. Follow me on Twitter at Lisa Evers, Instagram at Lisa Evers, Google Plus, Facebook, you know the drill. Check me out on uh, Fox 5 News at 5 and 10, 5, 6 and 10. And also you can catch this episode if you want to re-listen to this again. You can check out this episode of Street Soldiers free, free, free on LisaEvers.com. It'll be on momentarily. And if you want to be a part of the show, hit up my executive producer, Tone Capone, Tone at LisaEvers.com. Thank you to my whole team. Um, Team Lisa here at Hot 97, executive producer Tone Capone, our producer Rose D, production assistants Melissa Quinones and Mia Bell, and also the one and only board op and digital support from the one and only Michael Medium, and additional digital support from TJ. Thanks to our program director, P.O. Farrell, music director, T.T. Torres, and everyone else at Hot 97, and my executive producer at Fox 5 News, Chris Sobel. If you want to be a part of the show, Tone at LisaEvers.com, or just hit me up at LisaEvers, the Gram, Twitter. We're all over. We're out there like that. Have a great week, everybody. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. I'm Lisa Evers. Push for peace.